morning. How you doing this morning? It's good to see you today. Uh, normally you don't see me up here. You have been able to see me up here for a while because our baptistry's been uh, broken. I think the freeze got us, but now we're now we're back in business. The heater doesn't quite work, so this is going to be a quick one today. Um, but we're glad that you're here. Um, if you want to make a few announcements, uh, first of all, uh, I want to say thank you. My family and I, we really appreciate all the outpouring of love uh, for us last week. Uh, that we, were, uh, we enjoyed the meal together. Uh, we enjoyed uh, just ways that you tangibly showed uh, your appreciation for us. We are so happy, so glad to be here in Cherokee, Texas. So thank you for uh, loving us the way that you do. And rest assured, we love you back. Um, also, want to say, uh, don't forget about next weekend. Next weekend is Daylight Savings Time. It ends next Sunday. So don't forget to fall back uh, before next Saturday night, uh, November 6th, before you go to bed. Uh, we're still in need of Advent readers, for no, and that starts November 28th after we get back from Thanksgiving. If you would be willing to help by reading an Advent devotional on one of those Sundays, it's four Sundays, and then even someone on Christmas Eve at our candlelight service, uh, we desperate, we really would appreciate your help. Uh, finally, uh, you notice that there's some uh, some announcements in the bulletin related to uh, Operation Christmas Child. If you'd like to pick up a box or two and uh, fill those on your own, you can. Uh, the Women of the Word are also getting together uh, to fill boxes, and so you're welcome to uh, contribute to that, whether it's toys or, or items that can be packed in that, and uh, or you can donate money. So if you have any questions about that, you can see uh, KO4N about that. Are there any other announcements we need to make? Anything that I missed this morning? All right. Well, this morning, as you can see, we're uh, baptizing. This morning, we're going to baptize Addie Buffy. Addie made a decision for Christ uh, quite some time ago, and it was just a matter of, I think we got caught up in COVID, and then we got caught up in a broken baptistry. And all of this, and so this morning we finally get to baptize her. Baptizing, uh, baptism is one of the two ordinances that the Baptist Church practices. The other being the Lord's Supper. Baptism is uh, it symbolizes what happens in the life of a person when they commit to Jesus Christ. Uh, you'll hear when I lower Addie into the water, buried with him by baptism into death. It symbolizes a couple of things. It symbolizes, first of all, that she died with Christ. And in dying with Christ, he took her sin to the grave. She identifies with Christ in this baptism and in his death. And that also means that the power of sin has been broken in her life. I'll talk about that in the sermon today. And then when she's raised up out of the water, I will say raised to walk in newness of life. And that means that she's been born again, that there is a new life in her. She has a new heart and a new spirit. God has put his spirit within her so that she may walk according to his rules and his statutes. That's Ezekiel 36. So there's nothing uh, salvific in this right here. She's already saved. Uh, the baptism does not save her. Uh, the water itself doesn't have any kind of saving properties to it. Salvation is all of grace through faith in Christ. This is her first public step of obedience. One final thing I want to point out, and at the end of the service, she'll be down front, so we all can welcome her into the fellowship. 
But you cannot join a Baptist church unless you have been baptized by immersion. And so not only is this her first public step of obedience, it's also sort of a rite of passage into our, our church membership. So this morning we baptize Addie Buffy. So Addie. It's going to be a quick baptism. Well, this is Addie Buffy. Okay. Addie, have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? And do you commit to follow him all the days of your life? And upon your profession of faith of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, buried with him by baptism into death, Raised to walk in newness of life. Let's pray and then we'll worship together. Father, we are so grateful uh, for the line of baptisms that we have. That people are taking seriously uh, their commitment to you. Demonstrating it publicly that they have been saved and they want to follow you publicly. With baptism being the first public step of obedience, I thank you for Addie, for her patience in, with our church and with COVID as things have kind of been slow. But I pray, Father, that in the days to come, this would be a, a watershed day for her, that she might look back upon it, be reminded of how she stood before her church family and said, I commit to follow Jesus all my days. He is my Savior. So, Lord, be honored and glorified through her and be honored and glorified, Lord, through our time together this morning. As we pray all these things in Christ's name, amen. Let's stand and worship together.
children will come forward with the choice. Good morning. You guys are getting so big. In fact, you're, you're big enough to start making decisions for yourselves, right? I bet some of you decided on your Halloween costume, right? I saw some pretty awesome costumes on Facebook this morning. Um, so you're big enough to start seeing that if you look around, there's nobody else quite like you, is there? No. Kaisen, if you look at your brothers and sisters, you're not like any of them, are you? No. But there's still a point of likeness. There's, there's some things about you and your um, brothers and sisters that are alike because you're in the same family. You two are completely different. Amen? <laughs> but there's still some family resemblance that we can see. We may see it more than you guys see it. Um, as I look at all of the rows of siblings out here, um, I see likenesses within a family. Um, I think about the fact that the Bible tells us that um, God created us in his image. Um, do you know what that means? Macy, do you know what it means to be made in God's image? Well, it means that we're, he created us to be like him. Not exactly like him, just like Sidney and Joey and Reagan aren't exactly alike, but there's a point of likeness between them. Um, in the beginning, after God created all of the earth, he created the rivers and the trees and the sky and everything, all the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea. He looked around him and he said, I don't see anything in all of creation, all of these things that I've made, I don't see anything that bears my likeness. And so God said, let us make man. When he said let us, that was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He said, let us make man in our image. Let's make one work of creation whose primary purpose it is to be like me, be like God. And so he created us in his image. Now God is, do y'all know what omniscient means? Can you say it? Omniscient? Omniscient. That means he knows everything. We don't know everything, but because we're made in God's image, we can be like him enough to enter into this incredible phenomenon of thinking and reasoning and deciding we are like God in some points. And, but when he looked around before he created man, he saw dogs, 
dogs aren't made in the image of God. Flowers aren't made in the image of God. Giraffes aren't made in the image of God. And so he made one special work of creation whose purpose it was to reflect God's likeness. And so that's our primary purpose in life. Like I said, you guys are getting to be big enough to see that you're not like everybody else. It'll be a while before you begin to say, why am I here? What did God create me for? But you will. You'll reach that point. And when you do, the thing I want you to remember more than anything else is that he created you to reflect his glory, to be like him. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I just thank you for these precious children that you created in your image. Father, I just pray that their lives will be like a mirror to people, that people will look at them and see your glory. And Father, for that to happen, I just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit just invades their little hearts and transforms their lives and transforms them into the likeness of their holy creator. Father, we love you and we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
us to really think about the chorus of the song. It says, Oh Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to thee. For thou in thine atonement didst give thyself for me. Now that's old King James, right? If you don't speak old King James, that's okay. Um, it's thou before thine except I be, so just remember that. Um, but what he's saying is, listen, I can live for you because you died for me. Oh, God, will I stand? 
our prayer this morning, that you would draw us near to you, that we would find in you freedom and hope and joy, peace, patience, and understanding. God, we come to you this morning with no merit of our own, but just the pure desire to know you more. Meet us here today, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ alone we pray. We invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Romans. We'll be in chapter, I'm sorry, that says Romans and that is not correct, I'm sorry. We're in the book of 2 Peter. I thought something looked awry. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 1 through 15. Um, because I failed to switch the slide, uh, that I, I'm not sure if that page number is correct, but i um, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's a hardback black one somewhere around you. You can find it, turn to the back, and you'll find Second Peter. It's near the end of the New Testament. And so, again, Second Peter, chapter 1. Uh, we are nearing the end of a sermon series called Getting Saved. Um, you might have wondered, is, is there really all of this in, in getting saved? Um, I hope you saw that there's an imbalance in this series. Um, the first part of the series was getting lost. And I think it was seven, seven sermons. By the time we get done with getting saved, it'll be 14. That's a good imbalance to have because we have a great salvation and we should want to know to, I think I mentioned this last week, that um, these are things that Peter talks about in, in 1 Peter chapter 1. These are things that angels long to look into. Because you know, they didn't have to be saved, but we do. And so we get uh, a perspective on salvation that angels don't have. So that's why we're spending a great deal of time on it. After today, we'll have two more sermons on it, and then we'll be at Thanksgiving. Can you believe that? Well, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 15, and this is the Word of the Lord. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of God, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power 
has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence, in your faith supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence knowledge, and in your knowledge self-control, and in your self-control perseverance, and in your perseverance godliness, and in your godliness brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. Before we pray, I'd just like to have a moment um, to reflect Just a moment to be silent before the Lord, and then I'll say a brief prayer, and we'll be seated. Lord, we we thank you for these words. We thank you for your faithful servant, Peter. Uh, I dare say there's not one of us that can't identify with Peter in some way. He was one who stuck his foot in his mouth uh, more times than uh, are probably recorded in Scripture. But he's one who denied the very Lord who saved him. He's also one that Jesus forgave, stood to his feet, gave him a commission, empowered him for it, and sent him forth. And we're grateful for all parts of Peter's life. He is a reflection of the presence and the power of the Lord Jesus. We pray that as his powerful words, which come through the Holy Spirit and land upon us, that they would achieve their intended effect, that we would understand that we are to walk in newness of life. And it requires all of us. It affects all of us. It requires all of us. And it requires all of you. Thank you for not withholding anything from us. Father, but giving us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Help us to live for Jesus, a life that is true. We pray it in his name. Amen. You may be seated. The title of this morning's sermon is Getting Saved, Walking in Newness of Life. So this morning we are talking about a word that um, you've probably heard before. It's the word sanctification. If you think about the perspectives from a a time perspective of salvation. You can say, I have been saved, 
You can say, and that is that was your justification. That was your conversion. You can say, I am being saved, and that is your sanctification, becoming holy. You can say, I will be saved, in that one day you will be glorified. You will have a glorified body. You will be in the presence of Almighty God and our Savior Jesus Christ, and there will be no more death, no more pain, no more sin to plague us. I have been saved. I am being saved. I will be saved. This morning, we're talking about the part, uh, I am being saved, sanctification. Now, Paul, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to everyone who believes, for salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Paul, every time he got the opportunity, preached the gospel. He wasn't ashamed of it. He knew that apart from the preaching of the gospel, people would not be converted. So he preached every time for conversion. And there were some people who came to Christ because of his preaching. And at the moment of their conversion, they were born again. They were regenerated. At that same time, they repented of their sins and they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And when they did that, then the benefits of all of Christ's work flowed freely to them in abundance. They were justified in that very moment with the spotless righteousness of Jesus Christ. They were unified with Christ through the indwelling Holy Spirit so that we could say, I am in Christ. They were redeemed from sin's penalty. God's wrath is removed. They are reconciled to God. They are adopted into God's family. That is what happens at the moment of conversion. All of these things simultaneously, instantaneously, unchangeably happen for the person who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But that's not all God has in mind for his people. He not only wants to convert his people, he wants them to walk in newness of life. In other words, he wants them to be sanctified. And that is our discussion, our time, what our time will be centered on this morning. If you want to think about a simple definition of the word sanctify, it simply means this, to make holy. Now, I talked about sanctification as I am being saved, but you know, the Bible talks about sanctification in two time perspectives. One is that God sanctifies a person at conversion. He makes them holy at conversion. The Old Testament talks about this. The prophet Ezekiel, he says this. Now, this is God speaking to his people, telling them what he's going to do when he gives them a new heart, when he regenerates them. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. Now, the water, obviously, is, is cleansing. And you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. So there's the removal of sin. You don't want to just do the removal of sin. There needs to be a help for people that have been regenerated so that they can follow in obedience and be sanctified to walk in holiness. That's why God says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone, and this is my paraphrase, that hates me, does not want to do my will, does not love me. 
can't help but sin against me, I'll remove that heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit, capital S, spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. When you and I are converted, when we become Christians, God sanctifies us. He makes us holy. He washes us clean of our sins and he gives us a new heart. And so this is what why this is so important now. This is why this is so important because now you are able to keep from sinning. Those who have been converted to the faith by grace through faith in Jesus Christ are now able not to sin. See, before conversion, you were not able not to sin. You couldn't keep from sinning. Just like in Proverbs where it says, as a dog returns to his, to his vomit, so a fool uh, repeats his folly. Just can't help it. And that was before conversion. You're not able to keep from sinning. You're not able to love God. You're not able to please God, serve God, or worship God. But after conversion, after God has sanctified you, now you are able to keep from sinning. You are able to love God. You are able to please God and serve God and worship God because God has given you a new heart. And this is important, and I want you to listen to this. And I don't know if you believe this, truly believe this in your heart of hearts, but if you are saved and sanctified, the power of sin is broken in your life. And I hope you believe that. Because I, so often, people will say, I just couldn't help myself. God has given, the power of sin is broken in your life. I don't care what it is, there is no sin that is greater than the power of God in your life. The power of sin is broken. That's why we can say sanctification is done for us. We can think of it in this, in this way. Done. It's done. God sanctifies all of his people once for all time. He makes them holy. Now, I realize, and you realize this too, we still have indwelling sin, right? That, that, that's going to be what we get to next. There's indwelling sin. But you realize, and you may not feel this way, but open to one of Paul's letters, particularly his letters to, to the Corinthians. If you've read 1 Corinthians, you know that was a church that had some serious problems. But what does Paul call those people? Saints. You know what the word, the Hebrew, the Greek word for saint really means holy ones, hagioi, holy ones. That's because they had been sanctified once for all by God through Christ. So that, as Paul says in Romans 6, 2, they can say about themselves, we died to sin. We just saw a picture of death to sin. Did you realize that? Addie Buffy died to sin. When she placed her faith in Christ, she died to sin. Sin's power has been broken over her. She now has a new heart, a new spirit. God is causing her to walk in faithfulness before him. When we died with Christ, sin was defeated. It's power broken once and for all in our lives. That's why the author of Hebrews can say this. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. We have been sanctified. 
but yet we are still being sanctified. He acknowledges this in verse 14. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So we have been sanctified and we are being sanctified. Now when we think of sanctification, we normally think about it in the context of I am being sanctified. I don't think about, I think we don't think about the fact that we have been. We think about the fact that we are being sanctified. Now the, the definition does not change. When we talk about our own personal sanctification, our ongoing sanctification, it still means to make holy. But we, we think of it in this context. Christians pursue holiness after conversion. We are being sanctified. We follow hard after Christ. We pursue holiness. Because God has sanctified us, it's done. Now we pursue holiness. We do. And it's ongoing. It's like Interstate 35. It's never done. Isn't that the truth? And we laugh about Interstate 35, but we also have to get up every morning, open our our Bibles, look at ourselves in the mirror, and realize there's so much further, so much more of Christ to know, so much more of His power over sin in our life to experience, so much more intimacy and fellowship with Him. And we experience that as we sanctify ourselves and give ourselves over to Him. I don't look forward to... To the construction on Interstate 35. In fact, I stay off of it as much as I can. But I look forward, and I hope you do too, to God's construction, ongoing construction in your life. Because He's begun a good work in you, and He will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. I want to remind us of the goal of sanctification. It's not or the goal of conversion is not just that we might. Be with God in heaven when we die. Romans 8, 29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. I underlined, you you might have thought, you underlined too much there, Brother Shannon. You should have underlined to be conformed to the image of his Son. And that's true. I I could have stopped there. But I wanted us to realize that in God's predestining grace, it was more than than, than conversion that he was after. It was that God wanted his people to look like Jesus Christ. Having been converted through the work of Christ, God's people wholeheartedly seek conformity to the image of Christ. The aim is not merely conversion, but conversion leading to conformity to the image of Christ. So with a few moments we have left, I'm going to briefly go through four words from this text that are concepts that we find in Peter's first 15 verses of his second letter to help us think about sanctification. So when you think about sanctification, I want you to think of this word, think done. Think done. Now we already talked about how God has already sanctified us. That's not how I mean this word done. I want you to think of the word done about what God has granted to us for our sanctification. What he has done for us that we might be resourced to walk in newness of life. God has granted us. Look at verse 3. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. 
You see that word, those words in verse 3, divine power. I believe that's referring to the Holy Spirit. Now, when we think about power, the power of the Holy Spirit, I want you to think here not about simply raw power, like an engine that is not in a car anywhere. It runs well, but it seems to have no purpose. God's power has given us not only the engine, but the car to go with it, so that there is a focused, purposeful power in our lives. Verse 3 also says that we have God's divine provision, everything pertaining to life and godliness. Now, I don't know if you realize this. I think you do. God uses every aspect of our lives in sanctification. Every one. Your marriage, parenting, job, school, relationships, church. You can go on and on and on. God uses every last bit of it in our sanctification. So there's not one aspect of our life that God doesn't have something for us to help us follow in holiness and look like Jesus Christ. Through the indwelling Holy Spirit, God provides us everything we need to be conformed to the image of Christ. There is no place in your life and in my life where sin is not present and active. And there is no place in which in your life where Christ has not defeated that present and active sin. And there's no place in your life where Christ has left you without resources to fight sin and to replace it with Christ-likeness. Everything for life and godliness. God's granted us his divine promises. Look at verse 4. It says, For by these, talking about his own glory and excellence, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. His promises. All that is true for us in Christ. He has given us these divine promises promises those divine promises Peter says so that we may may become partakers of the divine nature that does not mean that we're going to become God but that we're going to become godly we're going to walk in newness of life we're going to be born again and become who we were originally created to be through Christ we have escaped the corruption that's in the world by lust so that we can become Who God originally created us to be and who he created us to be in Christ. It's done. God has given us everything we need. But also, we think of the word do. We think of the word do. Because we have a part in our sanctification. He has sanctified us and we are to sanctify ourselves. And when we think of this, we think about it in terms of God's done. That is the order in which the Bible talks about. If there is any commandment, especially in the New Testament letters, that is given to Christians, it is usually after there's a demonstration from the scriptures of what God has done. God has done this, therefore do. It's that way in Ephesians. It's that way in Romans. It's that way in 1 Peter. That's the way God intends us to think about it. So our do is based on God's done. God works powerfully in us 
in our doing, and we strive for Christ's likeness with all our power. God works in us. We work with all our power. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, Paul says it this way. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, listen, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Peter talks about doing in verses 5 through 7. He says, for this very reason, because God has given you everything that you need, everything, his divine power, his divine provision, his divine promises, for this very reason, put all your effort into your sanctification. He says, look in verse 5, now for this very reason also, applying all diligence, all effort, all that you can muster up. But it's not just a mustering up. It's, it's a focused action. Notice Peter says, in your faith, supply. Some versions say it this way, add to it. Add to it. Now it's not that uh, those things, that our faith is, is insufficient. It's just showing that our faith changes us. Faith causes us to look differently, to sound differently, to act differently. It changes the focus of our lives. And so Peter says, just as God has focused his power toward a goal in giving us everything pertaining to life and godliness, we are to focus all, all, all our power in using all that God has given us to pursue Christ's likeness. We have power. And it's based on God's promises and his provision. But there's a plan and a purpose. Peter says, in your faith, supply moral excellence. Now listen to this. Excellence. I don't know what you think about when you think about excellence. Usually if you're going to do a hand gesture with excellence, you're going to, you're going to do it somewhere up here. You don't think of excellence down here. We're not to be people who skimp out on morality in any way, anywhere in our life. Moral excellence. God called us to himself, verse 3, by his own glory and excellence. So our lives are to exemplify excellence in all of our morality. But that's not where Peter stops. In your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge. It's not that you just want to be a good person. You want to be informed in your faith, and to your knowledge, self-control. The things that we learn ought to change our lives. We ought to become more self-controlled people. And in your self-control, perseverance. It's easy to be a Christian for short bursts. I think it's uh, Alistair Beck talks about it this way, that it's, it's a feverish effort, short bursts of, of uh, a feverish effort followed by long periods of chronic inertia. So we move real hard for a while, and, and then we just sit still for a while. And, and anybody else identify with that? I mean, it, it is that way. But we are called to persevere in our faith. And to your perseverance, we add godliness. There's a goal. It's not just being a good person. It's being godly. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. Our godliness should show up in the way that we treat one another. 
So God gives us his power, but he gives us a plan. It's not that we just throw ourselves into something not knowing what we're doing. There is, we could say it this way, a curriculum for Christ-likeness. Third word, and this will speed up. When you think of sanctification, I want you to think of demonstrate. Demonstrate that you belong to Christ. Demonstrate that you belong to Christ. The way that you demonstrate that you belong to Christ is there's growth that takes place in your life. Peter says in verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, of Jesus our Lord. And he tells us about the provision, the promises, uh, the power that is ours so that we, all the things that God has done for us that we might do. And then he says, do these things to demonstrate that you truly belong to Christ. Verse 8, for if these qualities, things in verse 5 through 7, if these are yours and are increasing, they demonstrate that you belong to Christ and you are a useful instrument in his hands. You produce Fruit. Then he says, but it, it, it. the point is this knowing Jesus changes your life. It must change your life. And if it doesn't, verse 9, Peter says, for he who lacks these qualities is blind or short sighted. Blind, maybe they're blind toward their sin, or maybe they're blind toward Christ and what Christ's likeness is. They're short sighted. Maybe they didn't really understand that God had a purpose in their conversion, which was to display the glory of Christ through their life. He says if you lack these qualities, perhaps you've forgotten your purification from your former sins. Perhaps you've forgotten what God has done for you in sanctifying you. He says show the world through your pursuit of Christ that you belong to God and that He chose you. Now, verse 10 might might kind of put a burr in your saddle a little bit. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you, for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. What he's saying is this. God's people look like God's people. That, that, that's not real bright. It's not real pithy. But God's people look like God's people. So work to look like God's people. Practicing the qualities of verses 5 through 7, they won't cause you to stumble in your journey of sanctification. So pursue these things. Show that you actually belong to Christ. And then verse 11 might have caused you a little pause when we were reading this. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Now does that sound like Peter is saying that you can be rewarded with heaven for your works. Kind of, but that's not what he's saying. That is absolutely not what he's saying. He is saying that those who are going to heaven look like they belong in heaven. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to what he says. And such were some of you, but you were washed. 
you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. He says those kinds of people don't look like they're going to go to heaven because they're not. They're not displaying the character of the image of Christ in their life. So we should expect that God's people will look like God's people to the very end of their life. So that when they die, their exemplary life will demonstrate they belong to Christ and that the door to heaven is abundantly open to them. Finally, when you think of sanctification, think of this. Think of the word disciple. Think of the word disciple. Help others and be helped by others. Peter says his divine power has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness, including each other. Help others. You know, in, in verses 12 through 15, Peter says, I'm going to remind you of these things. I'm going to stir you up by way of reminder. I'm going to be diligent in these things so that after I'm gone, you'll remember these things. Peter is helping his audience. You know, he's doing what we say at the end of every service. He's teaching people to obey all that Christ has commanded. That's what he's doing. But then we should also be helped by others. It doesn't say this in the text, but you can understand that Peter's audience was helped by him. They learned from him. You know, being a disciple and being helped by others in your discipleship just simply means that you're learning. You're learning Christ from Christ and you're learning Christ from other people. We are told to do that kind of stuff. Paul in Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. How many of us, I'm not asking for a show of hands, how many of us have someone who helps us in our journey? Who knows what's going on in your life and is willing to come alongside and help, point you to Christ, point you to the things in the Word that will help you follow hard after Christ, long to live in conformity to the image of Christ. We need this. Don't ever think you've arrived in your Christian walk. You need other people. Make that a priority. That you will help others grow and you will let others help you grow. That may require of you some vulnerability. You're used to being probably staunchly independent. You know, we've got that rugged American individualism. You know, our church, we do all that we can to encourage your sanctification. I want to ask you, are you taking advantage of it? We don't do things just because we've always done things this way. We do things because... Paul says in Colossians 1, we, we want people to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's why we want you to come to Sunday school. It's why we want you to come on Wednesday night to prayer meeting. It's why we want you to 
kids, we want you to go to the kids stuff. Youth, we want you to go to the youth stuff. We want prayer. We want all of these things going on because we want people to walk in the image of Christ. Help others. Be helped by others. I know I'm running over. But in closing, I just want to talk about something you may have never heard before. It's a word... It's the term sanctification gap. Sanctification gap. You can think of it in, in two ways. Perhaps this morning, you really didn't know that God had already made you holy. You don't start from zero. God has put a new heart in you. He has put His Spirit in you. You're not having to gin everything up on your own. God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. He has done it. Maybe you didn't know that. Maybe what we could say that your sanctification gap is a gap in knowledge. You just, you just didn't know. But I think too often, it's not a gap in knowledge. It's a gap in practice. We have a lot of knowledge. We don't practice it. You know what that makes us? Well-informed sinners. Well-informed sinners who aren't walking in newness of life. Don't be complicit in lowering the bar of sanctification in Christ's church. Strive to live a morally excellent life. Godly, brotherly love, kindness, deep faith, knowledge, trusting in what God has done, fully committing yourself to do what God has commanded demonstrating that you do indeed belong to Christ and counting on others to help you and then helping others. Don't be complicit in lowering the sanctification, the bar of sanctification in our church. Let's press on to know the Lord. Let's press on to love the Lord. Let's press on to be formed in the image of Christ. Let's help each other do it promise you I can't do it without you we can't do it without each other let's press on there's so much that waits for us in Christ let's give ourselves over to him fully say Jesus I'm going to follow you hard I know this is going to be rough but I'm going to follow you hard I want to be like you I know it's going to be hard but I want to be like you because that's why was created to glorify you and to enjoy you forever. Lord Jesus, thank you for all that you have told us through this text. Um, all that you've done for us. My goodness. Lives of thankfulness ought to look holy, set apart, sanctified. Lives of gratefulness for what you've done for us ought to look like wanting to see others grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to do on the basis of what you've done for us. Lord, make us holy. Use us in your service. Set us apart. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing, Come ye sinners, poor and needy. If you need to make a decision during this time, I realize we've gone over some and 
never intend to do that, we'll wait. If you need to make a decision, don't let time stop you from making a decision as we sing together. Come Rachel Keeney and the baby, their family, I think, was at the ball game the other night. Is that am I correct there? And uh, we're doing well. So they they were very thankful um, that for all the blessings that everyone in the area uh, bestowed upon them. Continue to pray for baby Liam. Is is uh, he's itty bitty. Um, pray for um, Sue Rayshack. She lost her sister uh, Virginia Deshong and. Um, I know that they're grieving over that. Um, I can't remember any other prayer updates. Does anyone have any anything that you'd like to share? Or any updates? Anything you need prayer for personally? Okay. Well, Addie, if you you and your family will come down here, um, Addie's going to come forward and. Uh, present herself for membership to our church. Um, Addie has received Jesus Christ as her Savior and Lord. She's been scripturally baptized. Um, Church family, um, will you walk with her in the highs and the lows? Will you you share her joy? Uh, Will you come alongside her in her pain? If she gets off the beaten path, if she strays, Will you pray for her? Will you come alongside her encourage her to come back? Will you pray for her family? Will you welcome her into our church? Will you look, see her as someone who, as a disciple, who, who needs to be helped and encouraged in the faith? Um, if you'll do that, would you just say, we will? We will. So presenting herself for membership, what is your pleasure res, uh, regarding her presenting herself for membership? Okay, everybody wants to accept you into the membership. There was no question about it. This is just a formality. But all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, she's going to stand here, and you come by and welcome her into our fellowship. And uh, let's stand. We'll have a word of prayer, and uh, we'll say the Great Commission together. And you can come by and wish her well. Uh, Father, I'm grateful uh, for this day. Uh, Lord, I know personally I need your sanctifying power in my life. And I trust everyone else here would pray the same. And we pray, Lord, that today uh, would be a day that we would look back upon and say, 
I began to take my sanctification more seriously. And I pray that, uh, Lord, through us, uh, great glory would be brought to your name and that people would see and know that we belong to you. Pray for Virginia Deshong's family, for Sue Rayshack. Uh, we also continue to lift up uh, the Keeney family, Rachel and baby Liam, and ask that you continue to help him to grow and to uh, just flourish, Father. Uh, we thank you for adding her family. Pray your blessings upon her life. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You are dismissed.